Did you ever stop and think how crazy it is that all of those seventh chords that sound so different are made up of just two things, the same two things, just in different orders? Yeah, that major third and that minor third, right? And did you also ever stop and think that, sure, we can find them using scales, which is what we're going to do when we do the diatonic chord business, but if you actually knew what a minor third and a major third look like, respectively, on your instrument, if you knew that, you know, starting on a C, starting on a G, <laughs> starting on an F, right? How those look, then you could basically build any chord, any of those seventh chords, without really having to think about the scales. Or rather, you could do it in at least two different ways, and actually I'll show you even more ways <laughs> that you could start seeing them. But here, let's start with this one way, because to me that's already mind-blowing. What you're seeing here is what we're going to do in a moment together, because to really understand this, before we think of instruments, you've got to understand the build, right? Like how those intervallic um, measures work together. And to do that, we're going to build what we call a decision tree. If you love math, you're going to love this because you know this. We use this all the time. For example, probability and statistics, right? And I want you to notice before we dive in how, you know, we're going to attribute values for the first, the third, the five, the seven. It's really going to be a choose your own adventure. Every time it's going to branch out and you get to pick. Do you want to go major or minor? And then major or minor? And then again and again, right? <laughs> and you build these chords like that. And I want you to notice that on that seventh you know, last chord, you have more than five branches that, that end up there. Which is weird, right? Because we always talk about the four, five chord qualities. So what exactly is up with those others? All right, this and more coming up. Chances are, when you were taught that first time the, the seventh chord, it was one of two ways. Either you were taught something like, oh, this is a one, three, five, seven chord, and they use those numbers that we see on the top of the screen now, or you might have been taught something to do with intervals, like this is a major third and a major third stacked together, right? Those are two different approaches. There's actually a third that I'm not showing in this video, but you, maybe you also learned something like it's a major third and a perfect fifth and a major seventh. That's also a valid way of, of learning these things. And actually, these are just different angles of the same thing. So let me show you. You start with this note, that one. And it branches off as a major third or a minor third. So suddenly, you've got an interval. From 1 to 3, that's what we call a major third. And from 1 to what we say flat 3, that's what we call a minor third. Now we're going to branch out again and again and again. <laughs> so bringing again from that first branching off major third, bringing another major third and another minor third, we'll see that we generate two different possibilities. And before I go there, take a moment and just give give this thought, which is also to me, you know, a delightful thought. It's, look at the bottom there of the screen. We went from one note to two notes, that, that's what we call an interval. And now from that minor third or that major third, by adding another interval on top of it, we suddenly get what we call a triad. So what we're going to get now from the major third and the major third is what we call an augmented triad. And then, of course, the same thing if we add another interval to what is already an interval. So on top of that mi major third, if we add that minor third, we're going to get another, you guessed it, triad. Except this time, you're probably going to be more familiar with it because it's the major triad, the first one we ever learned, right? 
depending how you were initially taught about augmented and diminished triads, if you did learn about those indeed, um, you might actually be surprised because this is a completely different way of thinking about it, right? Traditionally, you would think of an augmented triad as a major triad where you just raise the fifth. But now all of a sudden, you've just seen it's a it's the same thing, but it's a little bit different. We thought about it as major third and major third instead of major third and minor third. So different way of looking at it but same concept same result right or if you've learned one three five and one three five sharp again different way of looking at it but same material all right so i'm not going to surprise anyone now by telling you that we're going to do the exact same thing we're going to branch off from that minor third we've got at the bottom so from the interval of two notes we're going to add another interval which is another third and that's going to give us a triad and the most clever of you probably have figured this out already. We've got augmented and major on the top. We're probably going to get minor and diminished at the bottom, right? And which one's which? Well, a minor third with a major third gives us a minor chord. And a minor third with a minor third gives us a diminished triad. Now look at how interesting this is getting. We're now at the augmented triad. We're going to add another third, so we're now going toward the seventh chord because that's four notes and look at what happens in the very first the augmented one whether i add a major or minor i'm not getting anything that i recognize none of those five chord qualities that we've learned about right if i go for the major then yeah i do get what we call the major seven or the dominant seven you know major third or minor third split if i build on top of a minor i'm getting again this weird thing and then the minor seven chord which that we actually do recognize and then you're getting the diminished and the half diminished chords, right? Because you had already three up there and now you're getting those two extra ones. So we're good. We've got all five chords and three alterations. Okay, so think about this for two seconds. You know that an interval is made up of two notes and a triad is three notes and a seventh chord is four notes and i hope 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 for your sake that you haven't been memorizing your seventh chords that way because that's a lot of notes and a lot of chords but here's what what we've seen actually makes your life easier so instead of thinking about it like three intervals stacked together what if a seventh chord was actually a triad and a note like a bass note and a triad on top suddenly you've got a voicing for example for piano one note in the left hand and three in the right hand. Okay, now try this one. What did you thought about seventh chords and their qualities in relationship to other things that you know in regards to qualities? So for intervals, we always have two possible qualities, the major and the minor third. And then when you're looking at the triad, all of a sudden, you've got a couple extra options. You still have the same two basic ones, the minor and the major triad, but you also got two new qualities, surprise, surprise, the diminished and the augmented. And now let's think a little bit about that last row we saw and the qualities that we found in it. Are they the same as the triad? Okay, so we've definitely got the minor and the major seventh chord. That's a given. And then we've got that diminished chord that exists, the diminished seven. But then there's that weird thing, the half-diminished, not quite familiar, right? 
And then you've got the dominant seventh chord, which again is a little bit different from the others. But you see, there is some overlap, and by adding a couple of thirds and, and making those little differences, we actually generate new qualities. Every time we go up from the note to the interval to the triad to the seventh chords, we add qualities and we change them a little bit from what was before. And then there were these odd chords at the end <laughs> that just don't belong to any scale. So we'll talk about those later. Don't worry about them. But the point I'm driving home right now is if you're if you started this video thinking, oh my god, seventh chords, there's so many of them, right? And um, with those five chord qualities and 12 keys, that's like 60 chords to learn. That's so much. And then we're going to have extensions and alterations. Okay, yeah, but really... It's not that much because you actually know those building blocks. That building block is the third interval. And I would say the useful way also to think about this is in terms of triads because that's even more chunked in terms of information. And everything we're going to build, right? The 7, the 9, the 11, the 13, then all the altered chords are going to come from that foundational knowledge that you already have. And more than that, when you're going to look at voicing, you can, you can, of course, memorize the notes, but you can also start thinking about it as a triad and a note. You know, if you decompose them differently, you start seeing and thinking about them differently, and you can recall them with ease. So start thinking about the engineering and the structure in your head and how you're going to file all of this information that's going to come soon, because both from a theory point of view, but also from the actual instrument and how to visualize what your chord is going to look like and how your fingers are going to be placed on your instrument, that's really great because you can now break it into a number of different ways, right? Because you have all of these building blocks. And don't worry, we'll be doing that together. <laughs>